Jeannie and I were at the most difficult moment in our married life together. We had literally never faced this moment before. We were sailing into uncharted waters. We had to handle this moment with the greatest of care. What made it worse was we had already heard from friends about how this same situation in their families had been mishandled and feelings were hurt. And they hadn't been restored yet. So Jeannie and I talked, and we kind of rehearsed the moment because we were about to talk to our daughter-in-laws about Christmas. (laughs) We researched their family traditions. We wanted to understand the way they had celebrated Christmas. We didn't want to misspeak in any way or discount any of their traditions And we finally had the conversation with Nan and Deb. You know, until this point in our life, we had not had daughter-in-laws. So here's where Jeannie and I ended up. We told Nan and Deb, listen, you have to understand that from February 18th, 1984 until now, our lives have rotated around the boys. It's where are the boys, what are the boys doing? It's always about the boys. So y'all get together, the two of you, and y'all pick a date when the boys can be here together and we'll do Christmas. We don't care if it's the 25th, the 27th. We don't care if it's July 8th. It makes no difference to us. We'll celebrate Christmas when the boys show up. If you do what I do for a living, when you get a new calendar, the first thing you have to do is find Easter in the new year. It's always moving. It can be early in March. It can be late in April. We're never quite sure. You know why? Because Easter is always the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. Did you know that? And you didn't think you were going to learn anything when you came here this morning, see? Now, if the full moon falls on the first Sunday, then Easter is the next Sunday. Now, I don't know who figures this out. I have never met the individual who uses the mathematical equations to tell us, hey, in 2023, Easter will be on April 9th. But you know, in all the Easter stories we have, none of them were carrying a calendar No one looked at their calendar and said, hey, it must be Easter. It was Easter when Jesus showed up. That's what Saul found out on his way to Damascus. You know the story. Let's stand and read it again. Acts chapter 9. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest requesting letters from the high priest to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if Saul found any man or woman belonging to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. Get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now the men who were traveling with with Saul stood speechless, hearing the sound but seeing no one. So Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him to Damascus. He was unable to see for three days, and he did not eat, and he did not drink. I am Jesus, the one you were persecuting. Get up and go into the city. And you will be told what you must do. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. As you did for those in the stories that we have, make it Easter for us. Come here now to this place, to us. Bring Easter here. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Saul was on his way to find followers of Jesus. He was not going to Damascus to look for Jesus. For Saul, that question had been answered. Jesus was dead. The Roman soldiers had crucified him. They had tortured him. They had nailed him to a tree. Jesus was dead. The Roman soldiers took him down from the cross, gave, him to, gave the body to his friends. They took him to a tomb in a garden, placed him on the stone slab, rolled a stone in front of the open tomb, and the Roman soldiers sealed that tomb with the government official seal. Only someone with the power of the Roman government could open that seal. Jesus was dead. That was all there was to it. Now, there had been some who claimed that he had been raised from the dead. There were stories about him appearing to people, but everybody knew Jesus was dead. There were people who followed Jesus who claimed that he was the Messiah. These people infuriated Saul and he made his life's mission to destroy these people in whatever way he could. Now, the first story we have of Saul is the martyrdom of Stephen, the execution of Stephen. And we're simply told that Saul was there and Saul agreed to Stephen's death. By his own testimony, Paul tells us that he was part of a group that sought people who were followers of Jesus and had them arrested, had them tortured, persecuted. And yes, when the time came, he would vote for their execution. In his own testimony, Paul later says, I am the chief of all sinners because I persecuted the church of Jesus. He's on his way to Damascus to do the same thing. Now, Rome didn't care. Uh, as long as it didn't threaten allegiance to Caesar, as long as it didn't threaten the power of the empire, uh, of the empire nobody cared. This was an interreligious squabble. We'll let the Jews handle that the way that they need to. 
but we don't need to get in it. So Paul was authorized with the authority of the Jewish religious leaders to go find Christians in Damascus and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial. He never made it. Suddenly the heavens open and a blinding light knocks him to the ground. Now how heavy and strong does light have to be to knock you over? Paul is trying to get his balance. He's trying to get his bearings. And he's already figured out a couple of things. One, every guy has done this. It's the calculation we do before we get in a fight. How big is this guy? Can I take this guy or do I need to run? Paul had figured out a couple of things real fast. One, I'm blind. I can't run. Two, this guy's already knocked me down and I never saw him coming. So how does Saul respond? Who are you, boss? That's what the word Lord means. Boss. I don't know who you are. I know you're stronger than me. And I know I can't take you. Who are you, boss? I'm Jesus, came the answer. No, can't be. Jesus is dead. Everybody knows that. I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. I haven't persecuted you. I've gone after your followers. But I have. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, get up, go to Damascus, and I'll tell you what you have to do. He waits in Damascus for three days for a man named Ananias to show up. The conversation between Jesus and Ananias is one of the funniest in, 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 in Scripture. Okay? Jesus comes to Ananias and says, There's a man named Saul that I've set apart to be my servant. You go lay hands on him. Do you know what Ananias said to him? What Ananias said to Jesus. Now get the conversation. Ananias says to Jesus, do you know who this guy is? What's Jesus going to say? Oops, wrong guy. I'll get back to you. No. Ananias, get up. Go lay hands on him. Tell him. Now get this, tell him how much he will suffer for my name. When Paul writes about his suffering, he doesn't say that. He rejoices. He opens his letter to the Philippians. I am rejoicing. You should rejoice with me that because of my imprisonment, the entire Praetorian Guard has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are rejoicing, Paul? Paul, you're in jail. But the whole Praetorian Guard, every soldier here has heard the gospel. You know what he's saying, don't you? Roman times, if you guarded a prisoner, you were handcuffed to that prisoner. Okay, that's the way they did it. So when the shift ended, they would unlock one soldier, 
and handcuff another soldier to Paul. As soon as Paul heard those cuffs clink locked, he started in. He knew this soldier could not get away from him. That poor soldier thought he had Paul. Paul had him. I guess you're wondering why I'm in jail. Let me tell you about it. Wasn't long ago, I was on my way to Damascus, and everybody in the Praetorian Guard heard the gospel. Tell him how much he must suffer for me. I am rejoicing, and I want you to rejoice with me. Uh, Acts 26, Paul is giving his testimony to Agrippa. Agrippa has the power to release Paul. And Paul preaches a sermon, even giving an invitation to Agrippa. When Agrippa says, I don't know if I'm going to believe what you believe, Paul tells him, if you knew who I know, if you know what I know, you would trade places with me. You would stop being the king that you are, and you would join me as a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, a captive of grace. Paul writes later in Philippians in chapter 3, I had everything you want. I had it all. I had the reputation. I had the education. I had the success. I had the respect of all of my peers. And here's what I want to tell you. It's garbage when you compare it to knowing Jesus in his resurrection and in his crucifixion. I had everything you want. And let me tell you, it's garbage. I've told you before, and I'll remind you again, I always get tickled when you come up to me and say, Hey, Mike, I found Jesus. And I remind you, Jesus wasn't lost. You were. The gospel isn't that you can get to God. The gospel is that God in Christ Jesus has come to you. The shepherd finds the lost sheep. All of the stories that we have of Easter, none of them are about somebody finding Jesus. It's always Jesus finding them. He found Mary in the garden. He found the disciples in the upper room. He found Cleopas and his friend on the road to Emmaus. He found Peter again on the shore of Galilee. It's always Jesus showing up, and that's when it's Easter. It's Easter when Jesus shows up. You know what's interesting? Some of you are getting a little uncomfortable right now because, well, you came because, let's just be honest, just you and me, your wife made you. Okay? Some of you are here because your mom and dad wanted you to be here. Some are here because you got this Norman Rockwell moment in your life and you want the family all sitting together and you've gotten all the girls dressed up and all the little boys are in their tie and you're mad at everybody, but you're here for Easter. <laughs> it would be an interesting thing if you learned something or if or if maybe you discovered something and you're, always kind of, you're already kind of proud that you know that Easter is the 
first Sunday after the first full moon, after the spring equinox. But now you're a little uneasy because you realize that Easter isn't about you looking for Jesus. It's about Jesus looking for you. It's about Jesus looking for you. And that messes with you, doesn't it? You don't know why he would be looking for you. You don't know what he wants to do. It scares you that Jesus might have finally lost patience with you, and now he's going to chase you down. Yes, he is running after you, but it is mercy that drives him, not anger. The look on his face is a look of a father who realizes his child is in trouble and he cannot get to them fast enough to make sure they're safe, to remind them again that all is forgiven, that all is forgotten. You have a father who loves you. You have a name. Let's go home. It's Easter. When Jesus shows up, when you realize this whole time, Jesus has been looking for you. As he died on the cross, Jesus whispered his last words far into your hands, Father. I commend my spirit. Whatever happens up to, after this moment, Father, is up to you. And Father, and, and Jesus collapsed into the arms of the Father. And I know Acts will tell you that Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus, but make no mistake, it was the Father that held the body of Jesus. And it was the Father that took him to that tomb. And it was the Father that stayed there. And those days waiting, reminding his son, don't give up. I'm not finished. This isn't the world I created. This is not the world I want. It's not the kingdom I am bringing. And between the world that Father created and between the kingdom he's bringing is the cross of Jesus Christ. And if you want to be part of this kingdom, take up your cross. Come follow Jesus. See, when you realize that Jesus has found you, the first thing you know is you've got it all wrong. You thought you had it figured out. You thought you knew what mattered, and you don't. You've got it all wrong. You thought you had to justify yourself. You thought you had to make yourself worthy. And some of you have said, just give me a little more time, Mike. Give me a little more time to work things out. Then I will go to Jesus. Hold on, as Jesus has come to you, that means now's the moment. You can't fix what you have broken. You can't replace what you have lost. Jesus has done that. 
already. You're trying to pay off a debt that you no longer owe. We think we know how to fix things. And we live in a world that worships violence. The new movie out now is John Wick 4. It's called 4 because that's how many words are in the entire movie. The rest of it is fighting, shooting. Because we think if we can get a big enough gun, we can fix the world. Uh, You get a gun, you shoot your enemy, your enemy gets a bigger gun, he shoots back. Jesus says, you've got it wrong. If you want to fix the world, pick your cross up. Come follow. You know, the sad moment of of today is that for some of you, it will just be Sunday. You'll get up. You'll come to church. You'll enjoy it or at least tolerate it, then you go home. And it will have been a good Sunday. But it won't be Easter. You see, Easter happens when Jesus shows up. And for some of you, he's showing up right now. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm not going to do anything to put you on the spot, but I know how important this moment is, and I don't want you rushing through it. Our ministers, counselors are waiting for you in the Welcome Center, because I know I'm saying a whole lot of things, and I'm using just a few words to do it, and you've probably got questions. Maybe there's some things you don't understand. That's, that's okay. We don't expect you to have it figured out. Some of you want to pull me to the side and say, Mike, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I've hurt. You don't know the mess I've made, and I, and I don't. But I do know what Jesus did. And as bad as you think things are, Nothing you have done is strong enough to keep Jesus in the tomb. And nothing you have done is strong enough to keep Jesus away from you now. You don't have to keep running. You can be found. Jesus has come for you, one, to redeem you, to rescue you, to remind you that you have a home and you have a name. You don't have to be lost anymore. Don't leave this place lost. We're waiting for you in the Welcome Center. Jesus is waiting for you where you are. It's Easter when he shows up. Lord Jesus, every life is now in front of you, every heart. So we pray now that the choices that we make exactly what you want.